everybody. Welcome back to the Speak Environment Podcast. My name is Sierra and I'm really excited because I'm here with a guest today. We're going to be speaking with Julia Swar, and I'm really excited to have you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here and talk to you about all the things, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we have kind of what I would like to call a little bit of a grab bag episode planned today. We're just going to be having a conversation and see where it kind of goes. Um, Julia reached out to me over email and was really nice. And I had a little bit of like a, <laughs> is this actually happening moment? So I'm really excited to speak to you today. Yeah, I'm very excited about it as well. I think I really like what you're doing with the show. And I think it's uh it's a really important topic and I want to, you know, hashtag speak environment. <laughs> I appreciate the branding plug. <laughs> um, well, just to get started here, when I do interviews, I do like to ask just like the general, if you would like to share with everybody a little bit about you, your name, because we totally didn't just have a cut where I messed up <laughs> the last name pronunciation. No, no, um, no. Yeah, <laughs> where you're happen. located and just what you're up to these days. Sure. So, like I said, I'm Julia. I am in Poland right now. I'm doing my international international baccalaureate. Um, I am also the host of the Being Better podcast, where I talk about all the things regarding being more healthy, happy, wise, just compassionate people. And that has been my most, like, I, I'm crazy about the show. It's been so much fun just meeting people from all over the world and also just, you know, talking to um, the listeners and, and having that community that has been really rewarding and incredibly awesome. So I've been, I've been recording the show for um, like, about a year and before that I was writing on my blog uh, which was also similar things also um, kind of self-improvement self-development but no I really don't like the kind of self-help um, like I don't want to be um, seen and, and I don't want people to think uh, of the show as, as the part of the self-help self -help industry because I think it is kind of toxic and it is based on the idea that you are not enough and that you need to change something about yourself change something about yourself or, or buy a certain product or or listen to a speaker and, and pay for a, a seminar and and only then you can be enough and only then um it's like it's it's this never ending cycle that you always need to to buy that thing to do that thing and then you can consider that you are actually better and I think the goal of the show is that we need to always strive to be better wiser more compassionate um and more virtuous however still um while in that process we need to think of ourselves that we are enough and that that we are we deserve the love that we want to give to others and we deserve to be happy and and I think that has been my main focus to to learn that and to also share that uh, with others so that's me yeah um my next question that I wanted to just kind of get us started here with was about 
um, your podcast being better and um, just like what people read when they go to your podcast is that your mission is to spend time talking about topics that promote becoming a happier, wiser and healthier version of ourselves. And you kind of just gave a little bit of a um, backstory as to what motivates you to do your podcast. But I was wondering if there was like a specific moment or story or any origin um story that you'd like to share about how the idea of this podcast even came to be well i don't know if it's like an origin story i guess i've always been an extremely curious person like anything from astrophysics to yoga to you know those different topics like maybe crocheting and then also how my table is made and also Oprah, you know, singing and all those different things that you wouldn't think are uh, kind of connected. But I, I'm just curious about the world. I find everything and anything fascinating. That's why, you know, in school, I used to be so anxious and actually mad that people wanted me to choose between the sciences and the art. Um, so I have that deep drive. And with that, I also have that drive to, like I said, I'm, I'm ambitious. I, I want to be better. And I guess through the combination of those two qualities, I am learning a lot. I, I want to learn and I, realized that I am I, I'm finding out so many different things that I want to share them with the world and help my friends and my family through the things that I have found are working for me. So I also and I also you know wanted to have a creative outlet because I'm also passionate about the arts, like I said. So I started to write. Um, I thought that, you know, maybe blogging was the thing. Like, I think like a year of blogging, I just realized that it's kind of frustrating um, because it's like writing is a, a lonely thing. Like you don't really get a lot of feedback. I think blogging now in 2021, I think it's a thing with a pot potential, but you need to really... Um, have a big following for you to actually like enjoy it for it to be a nice like a two-way thing and not just you putting out your articles um, so I realized that I'm a talkative person and I want to connect with people and then I realized then I need to do something with that and I had to uh, choices. I thought I'm either going to start a YouTube channel or a podcast, um, but I thought I'm not gonna, I don't want to be another, you know, Gen Zero on the, uh, on the YouTube space. Um, I just decided to, to start that podcast. And it, like I said, it's been a wild ride and I've been loving it. And even if I would do it and no people would be listening, I would still really enjoy it just because you get to meet so many incredible people and I cannot really explain the feeling that I have each time I finish an interview with someone that I admire, even, you know, if it's a 
brain scientist or if it's a singer or if it's a you know i had a skydiver on the show and each time it's just the most amazing feeling and i'm so excited that there's just this rush of emotions and if i record in the evening that i cannot sleep at night because i'm so pumped and if i do it in the morning then my whole day is made so so that's that's the show that's awesome. I'm really happy. I'm um for people listening, we're also on a video call and I can literally see her lighting up right now. She's so <laughs> passionate about this and I think it's amazing. Um I had just like a fun question that I wanted to ask and you kind of like start listing um people that you've had interviews with or whatever, but I was kind of wondering just out of curiosity what your favorite like episode that you've recorded like what it's been like, was it a solo or was it an interview? Can you pinpoint one or you like all of my episodes are my favorite? <laughs> like I wouldn't for sure not all of them are my favorite because I have a lot of like especially their early ones I'm just kind of cringing <laughs> when I listen to them and I'm you know i I'm thinking oh I, I like that I'm I really don't do not like the quality and uh, because I think the show has evolved and I'm I I used to think about maybe putting them down and um I don't know I I decided to have them to for people to kind of see the beginning and and how the show ended be, also because I think uh, the topics are still still relevant um but when it comes to my favorite episodes i guess i really liked um all of my interviews i really liked uh one with a astrophysicist lara kamal um she also is a immigrant from iraq and she immigrated to the u.s when she was like 17 and she didn't know the language before that and she went to an american high school without knowing the language and actually managed to um to finish to graduate and, and learn the language and then she didn't manage to to get to Berkeley but she went to a community college then got straight A's in 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 that community college and then went on um to study at Berkeley and I think her story is just so incredible that she went from you know escaping war in Iraq to becoming an astrophysicist and also we talked about you know black holes which um also interested in um so that was a great episode but I, I think yeah I love I love all of them they're my babies I guess and you have to love them equally yeah for sure I'm very uh, glad that you're very proud of your uh, podcast and how the show has evolved um I think that that um level of success of bringing on successful uh like podcast interviewers and like having conversations with people that are seemingly like established and well known that must have some kind of like anxiety i would imagine um and i know we like spoke about this just as we were um in the planning of this episode but my question that i wanted to follow that up with was um what has been like the biggest struggle that you've had with starting your show um because we talked a little bit about like imposter syndrome and i just wanted to yeah. touch on that how have you been you know dealing with that feeling or has it diminished since you've been doing this for quite a while now yeah imposter syndrome is something that i struggle with 
in every area of my life. I don't know if it's really imposter syndrome because it's not like I don't think that someone else is supposed to be doing what I'm doing, but I just, maybe it's better to call it self-doubt. I doubt myself a lot. Even though I would say that I'm a confident person, I still manage to doubt myself and my abilities. Um, So when it comes to the show, you know, the first thing that I have to start with was that, you know, I'm not a native speaker. Um, And that was a big part of just, am I supposed to do this? And are people actually going to listen to me and enjoy listening to me? Um, Because, you know, there are some people who will not listen to you if you have an accent, or there are some people who will not like listening to you if you say like a lot, or Mm. um, or, you know, I say, you know, all the time it's like it really drives me crazy um but yeah I doubt myself a lot and and I had to over I mean I don't know if I overcome overcame that ever um I think you know with each interview that I had I just realized that there are those are people that I admire but they said yes to the show and they enjoyed speaking to me because they said that they enjoyed speaking to me and then 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 they shared the episode so i realized that if i thought that just if they actually think that then maybe there's something there and maybe i am qualified and maybe um maybe actually they enjoyed speaking to me for some reason so i guess I would like to say that it was, you know, my work and my, um, I, that I overcame that on my own. But actually, with that imposter syndrome, I have to say that actually a lot of that was just external validation from others. For sure. I think, um, I, yeah, I appreciate that you have kind of noticed that with every interview that you do, it probably gets a little bit easier. And external validation is a very valid way to help build up your confidence in getting things done. And especially when you step outside of your comfort zone with like a podcast where you're like, I'm not a native English speaker. And I don't know if people will actually listen to me or enjoy it because of my accent or because of my mannerisms and the way that I speak and things like that. So I think all of that has been a very important process of watching you like blossom and get better at what you do. And that's like totally fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I also, I didn't say, you know, also my imposter syndrome and self-doubt came from the fact that, you know, I'm a young woman and in my life, I got a lot of shit just from people that didn't believe that I am that I know my stuff, that I am able to decide on my own, that I that I just know things. And through that, through all of my experiences of, of people just not believing in me and not wanting to listen to me because they didn't think that I know anything, maybe, you know, I'm kind of dramatic here, but that's what I, that's what I think, that's what I used to think, that just people do not, do not trust in my abilities and through that I just thought that I'm not gonna talk a lot about you know my uh, my age or or my background because I think it's not the most important thing about me and I think my abilities and my knowledge and my curiosity 
are more important. And I think uh, if you are considering starting a podcast or a YouTube channel, um, you have to think that, you know, sure, be vulnerable, but there is a difference between being vulnerable and oversharing. So share whatever is comfortable for you, but also remember that you don't have to share everything about yourself in order to be vulnerable with people. And I, when I realized that, it really gave me a lot of comfort because, you know, being online, it's a, it's a scary thing. You are showing yourself to basically countless um, number of people, uh, countless amount, I guess. And it's, it's scary. So you please do not think that if you are starting an online platform that you know you have to say everything about yourself you know i'm going through some things in my life that i thought that i have to share on my show because you know since it's a being better podcast it's about growing that i have to be perfect and have it all figured out to in order to to talk about that but i have to i had to realize that it's actually not that and actually it's okay to be struggling and still you can share with, you can ha- still help other people, even though you are still struggling with your own stuff. So yes, I guess that's my like a, one piece of advice for anyone wanting to get out there in the scary world of, of the internet. Um, there is a difference between vulnerability and oversharing, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And that's a very um, important distinction to learn, um, especially by just protecting yourself online and things like that. Um, I appreciate you bringing up the point that people tend, there is this tendency in society to very much underestimate young women, especially like young women of color or young women that are not native speakers of a language or things like that. I know that that shows up a lot for me in my academics. So I'm um, finishing up my fourth year, my last year here um, studying environmental science. And um, it's not that I've necessarily had bad interactions with people at my university that have made me be like, oh, people don't want to listen to me. It's just more of like a feeling. It's kind of like an internalized feeling that like, yeah, I don't exactly. Yeah. I, I, I relate with that so much. It's not like anyone told me like, Julia, just shut the fuck up. You don't know anything. No one told me that ever. Um, however, it's just like you get you just get the feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really frustrating. I feel like that's been part of my struggle in the last like year or two that I've been trying to build up my platform as well. It's like I have this anxiety that people will not want to listen to like a black young woman. Um, And like just because I have this degree, people are going to be like, well, you still don't know what you're talking about, you know? And it's weird because it's not even necessarily something that has happened. It's like a fear of it happening in the future. So it's, it's a really um, prevalent thing that I think doesn't get talked about because it might be an element of like shame or you don't want to admit that you have that fear because then people can use it against you, you know? So it's just, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Again. Yeah. It's like, it's a hard thing. Um, Have you ever had this feeling that you wished that you were, someone else or that you were you know when I was younger I think I had that feeling that maybe it w- like I I did not wish that I wanted to be a, that I 
be a boy. Um, but I guess it's like a little. I just thought that maybe if I were a boy, then it, things would be easier. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I've definitely had that. It's like a minority wanting to be the majority just to know what it feels like to be, um, you know, listened to and like valued and having your opinions matter and things like that. I've definitely had that come up in my life before. So it's really difficult. Um, And I think that a lot of good ideas and people that have a lot to say uh, don't come forward with their ideas or initiatives because of that tendency to doubt yourself because of in like external messages in society saying you can't do this or you don't have the authority to do this um and people internalize that and that's really sad yeah like it it's right now i think the fact that i had to work more to kind of be respected and and listened to it's now an advantage because you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and i think that experience just made me a more um i guess resilient person but i don't know it's like i'm kind of it makes me sad that i had to go through that and i'm still going through that and i still have to work you know twice as hard um to to be to be taken seriously i guess um and it's hard to kind of believe in that because we, we, you know, we live in a 21st century and when you f- like first look, it's, uh, it seems that it's, it's okay. We have equal rights and all that, but then there are, there are those little things and those feelings like we talked about that someone maybe is not trusting in your abilities as they should in an academic space for Sure, I think it's a it's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's <laughs> a really yeah, and it's one of those yeah, things that we're not sitting here saying like, oh, but we have the answer to it. like how to overcome yeah. this feeling of um imposter syndrome. It's definitely a work in progress. It's something that you have to like actively uh kind of retrain yourself to think about in a more productive way and just reaffirm yeah, I think one, like one, one way yeah. to be kind of overcome it is to kind of get angry because you have to realize that it's not the imposter syndrome is not coming from you it's coming out from the society that's fucked yep. up and i i think it's so good to get angry and get pissed because it's 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 not that you are not qualified it's not that you have you know that you don't have the same abilities as a man it's just mm-hmm. how the Society is built and it's not your fault. So if you are having, you know, any self-doubt thoughts or imposter syndrome, then just kind of get angry, I guess, because I'm just so tired of this. I am just, I'm, I am tired that we, we think that it's not up to us. Like it is up to us. And, and, and it's, I think it's a decision that we need to make and and take ourselves seriously and you know i i i was hesitant about starting the show for like a couple of months i think like three or four months because i i was asking for a permission you know i mm-hmm. i was just mm-hmm. so 
used to the fact that I need to get permission in order to do something. And I just had to kind of make the decision that, fuck it, I don't actually need anyone to tell me that I can do this. I don't need any man or a, a woman or, or someone that's over older than me or just kind of like a supervisor. I don't need anyone to tell me that I can do this. And I'm just, I'm just tired of it. And I think it's just up to us to make that decision and get angry it's sometimes it's good to get angry yeah definitely i am one with the passion in that statement so thank you for bringing that energy um because i definitely think that there is space for it and um there usually is this tendency again i'm sorry i'm going like way off the rail we'll roll it back well, into that's my like- favorite thing you can <laughs> roll and roll and roll and podcasting the podcasting space is perfect for that yeah uh, i'll roll us back into environmental things here in a moment we'll shift gears but that just gave me a thought that um the whole like passion in um, and giving yourself permission as like a woman to take initiative and do things without needing or seeking other people's approval. I think that that's kind of like a learned behavior that we're taught um, throughout life is to just like, like look effort, look to others around you for approval. And that's something that's really, really hard to get over and stop doing um, because I think it, in some aspect, it does provide a sense of safety because you're like, okay, people around me agree with what I'm doing. So I'm safe. Um, but sometimes really big things and big changes happen outside of the safety zone, outside of social approval. So I just, that was a tangent that you definitely made me think of. Yeah, for sure. No, no, no. But you know, I think it's kind of, it's actually not a tangent if you think about it. Like equality is such a big part of sustainability. It's like in order to avoid the climate crisis or stop it because it's actually ongoing. In order to do that, we need to talk about, you know, equality and climate justice and and educating women because without women there's just no way we can we can do this. And I think it's it's so important. And I know that I am not a qualified person to talk about it because first of all, I have not experienced all the climate injustice because I'm a white person. And I know that, you know, here in Europe, it's like you, you don't really see that contrast as much. Um, and I think it's just, it's an important topic and I wish I could provide more and 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 kind of support this case more but i just want to say that it's a really important part of it and without women and without you know all these small native communities it's like we cannot overcome this we need to work together and learn from one another it's like when it comes to even the things that we build with like for example we need to learn from native communities that the hemp plants are so incredible for so many different things and and they've been used for centuries and and when we listen to those communities that are centuries old we can get new solutions and be more ecological and be more eco-friendly and be just better through working together so i think this is a big part of being sustainable as well. 
Yeah, for sure. I I appreciate you tying these two concepts together. Um, I can think of quite a few class classes that I've taken here at my time at university that deal with uh, women and uh, gender roles in sustainability, environmental science, climate, things like that. Um, for instance, I took a women in natural resources class that I reference pretty often, actually, when I talk to people about the importance of recognizing gender and gender disparities in how climate affects the genders differently. Um, because of things like what you just said, uh, there are definitely communities out there where when women are not listened to, big oversights happen. And then it's like, well, if you would have just sat down with us and considered our voices, you know, this, we could have avoided the problem being exasperated. So it's really important to consider how gender plays a role in environmental sciences as well and how um, climate science and combating the climate change crisis definitely has women at the table as well like the importance of that exactly like i think you know it ties back just to you know our biology and our nature and the female qualities and the main qualities male qualities and i think it's so important to have both um because you know it's just like I think through patri- patriarchy, it's like the female qualities have been thought as vain, just just caring about beauty and art and and nurturing and caring about others is just like it, it has been thought of as weak. And actually, you know, even I, I used I read recently about the I'm not like other mm. girls. <laughs> Um, kind of concept and and how that's all fucked up and how it's kind of misogynistic and that those female qualities are thought of as less and actually when you bring all those qualities to the environmental space you know nurturing and caring about the planet about everyone about the small little creatures you know we have those instincts that a lot of um guys do not and and it's just it's important to have both energies and use them to kind of create a space and a planet and a, also a society that's just smarter and better and just makes better choices and you cannot have like we cannot do that without guys but we also cannot do that without girls so i think those um, two are very important right definitely also i just want to give a side note just because i've become aware. I was just checking in with myself. We have been talking about gender in the binary. Gender is definitely a spectrum. It's not like one or the other. So I just want to give that statement as well. Oh, in yeah, this. For but sure. I really do appreciate the um, your your assertion that we definitely do need the different energies. Um, and it gives a more holistic approach to things like restoration and conservation issues because you can't just like brute force your way through making things happen without having an ethics of care involved as well. Um, And yeah, that's a really important point. 
I kind of wanted to shift um, to some topics just in general about climate anxiety and also just uh, sustainability in general to go ahead and start wrapping us up here. So I had a particular um, curiosity. You have an episode on your show that talks all about uh, climate anxiety and how prevalent it has it is and has become in society. And in that um, episode, you kind of talked about hope and what gives you hope. And I just know that in the world of environmental science, like speaking from experience here, when I learn about it um, and just like the way that the climate is rapidly changing, hope is sometimes really hard to come by. Um, And I'm not saying like you have all the answers by any means, but I was just wondering if we wanted to talk a little bit about fostering more like climate optimism um, and just making people more hopeful that, you know, we're not all going to die like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like I thought that I, I definitely used to have. So I guess like to start, I would just like to say that, you know, science is so great. Like I said, I'm just a nerd and I think a nerd is a, such a positive description, actually. <laughs> so I think, you know, when I call someone a nerd, I'm just, I just mean it's a, it, it's a person that is passionate about something. So I think science is such a great thing. But also we have to think about that, you know, about 30 years ago or 40 or even a hundred years ago, you know, the scientists used th- said that, you know, we're all going to die, that we, we're not going to live uh, until 2021 for sure. Right. So yeah. I think the scientific space, it's such an interesting space because like it gives us insight and it gives us motivation to keep going. But actually you have to know and think about that, you know, it's not, it might not happen as the scientists say. So... I guess for me, it's just trusting. The optimism comes from, I guess, thinking about that without hope, like there's nothing. Like what's the point of thinking that we're all going to die? I guess it's kind of like utilitarianism, but you know, just not being hopeful is useless. And and I guess like for me, it's just like when it comes to one or the other, I choose optimism is because just that helps me get out of bed. Um, but just apart from that and making that choice, I guess there are a couple of ways. You know, for me, climate anxiety has been a real thing, but I realized my climate anxiety is really tied to where I am. So where if I am in a place where, you know, it's really polluted and it's really bad and the people that I'm surrounded with do not care about the planet, then my climate anxiety is really, really something that I cannot escape. And for me, if you are struggling with climate anxiety, I would say the first thing that I should that you should do is go to a place that it's as untouched by a human hand as possible and notice actually that not all is lost. And there are still places where there are not a lot of humans and pollution and mm-hmm. actually there are still animals we can save and there are still places that you can escape to from the hustle and bustle of the city so that helps me just to start and then the other part of climate anxiety is 
especially when you are just frustrated that you are doing all those things, you know, I am vegan, I'm not buying plastic, I am not mm -hmm. uh, contributing, you know, to the fast fashion industry. I'm doing all those things and I feel like they're all contributing to nothing. If you have that feeling as well, you have to also kind of get angry again, just as the imposter syndrome and, and, and self-doubt. You have to kind of get angry because it's not fair to put all the pressure on consumers. You know, the change that you can make in comparison to all the change that can be done if we reconsider and change our society and our, our policies and the huge companies and the way that they're they they you know produce and, and transport their products it's the the change is just it's incomparable you know yeah. i would love to say that you from your daily choices can change the world and in some way you can but it's it's not fair and you if you feel like you're doing all you can then stop Stop thinking that you need to do more and kind of get angry, like I said. Sometimes it's really like I don't want it you to be angry and kind of boil and, and have all those negative feelings, but get angry in a way that motivates you to speak up and say that this is not fair because you you've done all you can and and this climate anxiety is not something that you're supposed to experience again coming to the self-doubt it's like the self-doubt is not something you're supposed to experience it's just something that the society and you know the society you know quote unquote i'm not saying that you know every person is bad and that humanity altogether is a bad thing i'm just saying that we have to think about the systemic change and it's not fair for each and every one of us to just kind of not be able to sleep at night because it's not our fault. You know, I was I was born in a world that was, was already fucked up and I did not make the choices that my ancestors make made. And I'm just thinking that we need to realize that you know i was born into this world that was already already fucked up and i can you know do my best to kind of try and change it but as greta thunberg says it's like it's not fair that we the younger generation have to deal with those choices that our grandparents and and great grandparents and our parents made yeah. um so i guess this is my take on on climate anxiety yeah, for sure. I definitely have in the last couple of, of months, last year, I would say, um, really put more consideration into the idea that, um, you know, how the course of the climate has changed um, has really been has had intergenerational impacts and it has, you know, fueled my thought around um, just like how do we change things for this generation and future generations to come. And I appreciate what you said about, you know, um, getting angry, but also using anger in a way that fuels you and motivates you. So we're not, we're not sitting here, um, promoting like destructive anger, yeah. um, but it's more so like, you know, that passion that comes with, um, you know, like a fiery emotion like that and using that in a way to be like, okay, I'm going to do something different. Um, whether that's like, you know, writing to politicians or like internet or, um, internet, 
uh, political advocacy and things like that. So it's, yeah, climate anxiety is definitely a really big and um, kind of confusing thing to navigate because you're like, I'm stressing on my own. Yeah, um, for sure. But I don't know what to do. So it feels kind of debilitating and helpless, which is like the worst combination ever. Yeah. Like it's hard to make that choice. But I, I, I think it's it's something that we need to realize that, you know, you can you have this choice. You can either sit in your stress, anxiety and misery and think that we're all going to die or you can kind of. Even if it's kind of lying to yourself, I think lying to yourself and saying that, you know, there's still hope. Mm-hmm. It's like it's still more productive at the end of yeah. the day. So even if we actually it's like it's too late, even if it's too late, please, let's believe that it's not too late. To summarize all of that, it would be it's, you know therapeutic and also very necessary to sit with your hard emotions especially around like the climate change um that's happening i know like when i like watch the news and see all of the like floods and earthquakes and like natural disasters and just how and all yeah. of the all of the tornadoes that have been hitting the east coast here in the united states in the last couple of months it's been a lot um and it does take a toll um so yeah yeah. it's incredible it's like another thing it's so important to kind of realize that there is something in news that is called the negativity bias and that's also what i talked about in my client anxiety episode it's like especially in news you have to realize that journalists believe in the rule if it bleeds it leads and some at some point i had to decide that i'm not gonna read every every article about the climate because you know, it's like the only thing that the science, like in the environment section you have, it's like, it's getting worse. It is getting worse. And in that climate and environment section, you're not going to learn about the new um, renewable energy plants that you have in all over the world. And you're not going to learn about the temperatures dropping, which also, it, it happens, you know. It's like one part of the changing climate. And it's like, I just read about it today. It's like that we have colder winters. And I'm not saying that there's no such thing as climate change and global warming. It is. There is. But it's not just zeros and ones. And it's not just like it's getting worse or and worse. It's like the through that we still experience just like fluctuation. And when it comes to climate anxiety, it's a good thing to remember that you do not have to read all the news. And it's actually a good thing to avoid it um, because it's not representative of the world, the things that the uh, journalists uh, write about. Yeah, definitely. I uh, You bring up a really good point about um, news overload and kind of like when you only pay attention to the really bad and grabbing headlines, that's all you can think about. And you don't really have any space left over mentally or emotionally to um, take time to consider and like look for um, initiatives or like good things that are happening necessarily around the world. Um, so I think that that's a definite Another thing that we should definitely consider is how much of the bad news that you consume around climate change and things like that. And how much do you combat that with trying to learn more things that might be more um, 
conducive to change and things like that. So just your general media consumption around um, environmental topics is also something to be very mindful of. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's just what you surround yourself with. And like I said, my climate anxiety is really bad when I'm just sitting in a place where, you know, I'm surrounded with people who do not care. And when Mm -hmm. I read those headlines, it's just I'm very, very um, fragile when it comes to my environment. Um, So so if, if that's something you relate to, uh, then please don't not, do not feel like you have to you have to follow the news uh, debate. I mean, if you want to follow some optimistic, nice um, pages, I know that um, on Instagram, there's like the, the, the good news moment, which is, a, I think, a great page to follow. Um, and it, the, there's this website that it's just a newspaper that is based on like regarding more optimistic change and i think it's called to reasons to be cheerf- cheerful um and you can find awesome articles out there and also about the climate and that's something that really it's just a better way i guess to 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 spend and consume media All right, so we have covered quite a bit in our time speaking together today. We've covered a lot of societal pressures on women um, and just how that plays into self-doubt. We've covered just in general how podcasting has gone for the both of us and (laughs) the things, the journey that that has been and um, all of the passions that come along with that. Um, And what what else? We've covered climate anxiety and sustainability and things like that and how we can use, you know, fiery emotions like anger to be beneficial um, and how in general, again, it's not you know, fair to put all the effort in curbing the climate crisis on consumers and things like that. It's more of a bigger change that needs to happen. So if you ever feel like you have climate anxiety because, you know, you're buying this particular thing, just know that it's a lot bigger than just you, you know. And just that one plastic bag. And it's like, it doesn't mean that you are a bad person just because you bought, you know, a coffee in Starbucks and it actually is in a plastic cup, uh, which is something that I used to think that I am not a good person because of that. And again, it makes me mad. So let's just all (laughs) get mad together and actually not scream in a pillow, but scream outside of our window and say, this is all fucked up because it kind of is (laughs) oh my gosh yes for sure um but yeah just in general i think the summation of our time together has been that like you know there is so many challenges in the world that we live in right now and the biggest thing is to just try your best um to you know do what you can and not overpressure yourself to be a perfect person because a perfect person does not exist yeah exactly for sure and perfectionism only leads to paralysis when it comes to anything regarding sustainability um at least for me yeah amen honestly perfectionism leads to paralysis i need that like tattooed somewhere that's perfect yeah i'm just like my favorite thing to say is when someone on the show is saying something like that i'm just struck by i'm just saying 
if that's not a lower back tattoo, then I don't know what is. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I hope you don't mind if I borrow that. <laughs> I have such a big smile on my face from just being able to talk with you today and hear your perspective on things. Thank you so much for joining me on the Speak Environment podcast. And I will definitely have all of your links in the show notes. So please, if you're listening, go check out Julia and her podcast and all the amazing things she's doing. She's definitely made my afternoon. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been having, I had so much fun just talking and going on tangents and just, I'm a talkative person. So I guess I, if, and if I was just talking to myself, I would have fun, but this has been on the next level. It's just, it's nice to connect. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening and I will see you next time on the show.